Welcome to episode 126 of the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. Alongside Brian Cristiano, I'm Rob Cressy. Today's topic, the College Football National Championship Game Experience. But first, like we do every episode, we're going to give you a fact about me of the day so you can get to know a little bit more about us. Brian, what's your fact about me of the day? My fact is I just got back from CES, and while I was out there, um, one of our clients, I was out there for a bunch of reasons, a lot of meetings and biz dev, and also we had a client, so we were supporting them, making sure that they launched uh, some new brand stuff pretty well. Their booth, Polar, was next to Under Armour's booth. And so the first night uh, of setup, we were just there, like hanging with our client, you know, late, just kind of talking. So it's closed to the public at that point. So it's only, you know, people who are there as, um, you know, that had booths and stuff. We're just sitting there, kind of shooting the shit. And all of a sudden, I look up, I'm like, is that Michael Phelps? And Michael Phelps walks out from like the behind the scenes area of Under Armour. Nobody knew he was in the booth. Like, walks out, and he's like standing five feet away. I'm like, just kind of like nod, like, hey, what's up? And he just kind of like nods back and he's just like looking around. He's got his two huge bodyguards next to him and they just go and like go and check everything out after hours it was closed. And I was like, I'm not, I very rarely have a kind of, um, you know, see an athlete or celebrity and like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I'm like, you know, they're normal people. But Michael Phelps in person, you're kind of like, wow, is that, that's Michael Phelps. That's Michael Phelps. Holy shit. Like, that was that was pretty cool. He was one of the few where I actually had, like, a reaction of, like, whoa, I'm in the presence of Michael Phelps. This is awesome. Was he big, presence-wise? Huge. Huge. He's tall, and, and you can even, even, like, wearing a shirt, you can see, like, his wingspan of his, like, delts and stuff. Or, yeah, you need, like, he probably has to have everything, like, custom-made. He's a big dude. He's no joke. Nice. My fact about me today, I'm going to keep this SEC. Every year I take an SEC road trip with 12 friends. We rent two RVs and we go there to tailgate. A few years ago, we went to Alabama versus LSU in Tuscaloosa. I rank it as my second favorite SEC school that we've tailgated at after Auburn. Hmm. That was number one. All right. Which brings us back to today's topic, the College Football National Championship game experience. So ESPN televised it, and ESPN had a mega cast. They had 11 different ways that you, the fan, could enjoy this game, both TV, digital, and radio. So I'll zoom through these real quick. You had the main broadcast with Kirk. You had the Homer's telecast, which was a former player from each team. You had the coach's film room, which was six current coaches. You had ESPN Voices, which was TV personalities in a living room type environment. You had the uh, Feinbaum film room where Paul Feinbaum was taking live calls from viewers. He's a big SEC guy. You had sounds of the game where there was only organic sounds, no commentators, so fans could experience what it was like to be at the game. There was Command Center, which was a split-screen format, multiple camera views and enhanced stats on the screen. You had the Spanish-language broadcast. You had a hometown radio. You also had Data Center, which was social media reactions plus stats on the screen. You also had Skycam, which was a bird's-eye view of the action from the wire-mounted camera above the play. Ryan, there is something for everyone here. What does this say about the way that we consume content, but also the way that we create content or the way that ESPN does as a large media brand? Well, I think it's very interesting to see that they got so niche and so granular on their coverage in so many various ways. 
I would be interested to be an insider over at ESPN and see kind of, you know, what the engagement and what the data was like on each one of those properties. I think each individually has some value. I'm sure that some people probably clicked around between them. Um, I did not look at it. I I lost my football pool, so I'm a little upset. But... um, you know, I, I would be curious to see, like, did, did people gravitate towards one over the other? Did they care about this ancillary stuff? Like, did people care about the call-in show? Did they care about the homers? Did they care about just the sounds only? Or did 99.9% of people just pay attention to the broadcast itself? And I'm going to throw that back to you because I know you were paying attention and watched a lot of this last night. What was your vibe on how this felt from the consumer angle with all of this different coverage of media? So the way that I consumed it was two ways. I watched the main broadcast because I'm a diehard sports fan. I love Kirk and I want to watch the game for all that it is. What I see, all that other stuff is ancillary noise. And I was also on Twitter just following along. So I was well aware of when Bill Walton, they accidentally cut back quickly and he's talking about marijuana and then they quickly turn the ad back on. Uh, I found it as more distracting. I get that a, a commentator's job is to diagnose what's going down on the field. So when you see six coaches, they're all talking about that. You're like, oh, that's some interesting insight and analysis. But for me, I want to focus just on the game itself. And because of that, I stuck to the main broadcast with the way that I saw all the other stuff that they created is all right for the people who cut the cords and have watched ESPN. All right. Now here's some alternatives for you guys who may be going tweet deck plus watch ESPN. Do you want the stats? Do you want the social? Mm. So I do give them props for listening to the way that the current social and digital environment has evolved by saying, if you guys want more access, here it is. But for me, the diehard sports fan, I wanted it pure because that's what I love about the game. I don't care about anything else other than watching Alabama versus Clemson and getting some good insight. Well, don't you think that that's part of part and parcel of the problem, right? That the content that there are chunking out all these different varieties of all 11 variations, that they're so hyper-specific that the only people that would, in theory, care about watching you know, the Homer stuff or just the sound only or some of the other stuff that you mentioned – Don't you think the only people that would care about that are super fans anyway? And the super fans... They just want to watch the game, like so. So don't you kind of create a conundrum where it's like, the, like an average consumer, an average football fan that doesn't really care, isn't going to tune into one of those hyper specific shows. So then the only people that would would be super fans, but super fans like yourself, they want to just watch the game. So don't don't you kind of cut yourself out at the same time? Yeah, I think it's very much a niche thing. It may be only just for sports media and social media where you've got the live TV personalities with Michelle Beadle and Keyshawn Johnson and Bill Walton and stuff like that. You're like, who's that one really for? It's really just for the media who's going to report on the Mm -hmm. things that they're doing. I agree. Uh, The next thing I wanted to bring up is with all of this stuff that went on with the megacast, are there things that they could have done better? And what I'm thinking is, was there, and I don't believe so, a can you believe this happened moment? If you have 11 different ways that they're going to try and ex- give us an experience for the game, and the next day I don't have anything to take from them, like, oh, my God, did you see how on the Paul Feinbaum show right. X, Y, and Z happened? 
And as of right now at 11.35 a.m. the following day, I don't know anything that happened. So did they miss an opportunity there to create a defining moment from the evening? Right. And that stuff's hard to create. You can't, you know, because if, if you try to force that stuff, you end up with just something that feels forced and no one cares about anyway. So it kind of has to happen on its own naturally, which is difficult. You kind of have to get lucky. So I would be curious. I'd be surprised if ESPN keeps up this, quote, megacast thing just because of the all the additional resources. Now, what I think that they'll probably continue to do and we'll probably see to continue happen is a select few of these types of various ways in which you consume that are essentially just a piggyback off of what they're already producing and creating. So if you're talking about you're only just watching the game with the natural sounds, that's easy because you're already doing it anyway. It's just a separate, it's just a separate cast. Or, hey, a specific camera that's in here that you can watch this only view that's not in the broadcast. That's cool because, you know, maybe you can open that up on one of your devices while you watch the live game. But I think when you start to get into stuff where there's a lot of commentary and call-ins and things like that that require your full attention to watch... I find it hard to believe that people that really would care would want to divert their energy away from the actual game itself and watch that instead. But I do agree with you that that's the kind of stuff where if the content is good enough or different enough, that people might want to watch it later. But it really has to be good enough. All right, Ryan, time for the takeaways. And for this, I'm going to channel the inner creator in me. So as a creator, I wanted to make sure that I could create on multiple platforms in multiple different ways. The only way to do that is to be learning it myself. So for the college students out there, the hustlers, the startups, and even the brands out there who may only be on one platform have diverse skill sets. I learned Photoshop. I learned Final Cut Pro. We learned how to podcast, Brian. We learned how to do live streaming. Having these skills will very much help you and brands connect with your consumers and have other ways to tell your story in a fun and engaging way. And I'm going to say that too many brands and companies and people are, are afraid to get it wrong at first. So they try to figure out every possible scenario and try to create whatever that they're trying to execute and do perfect from the get-go. And it's never going to be perfect. You're better off doing what ESPN did, do a mega cast, do 11 things at once, and find out that nine or ten of them no one cared about but the one or two that people did great now next time you know to do those two better or to put all your energy and eggs in those baskets but if you were to have tried to say hey we're only going to do two what two do consumers want how how do you know that's the thing is i think don't be afraid to just put stuff out in the universe test find out make a reaction and then adjust later i think that's the beauty of the digital and social age that we live in where you get that feedback you can make a mistake no one's going to remember who cares and then take what you learn from that move on and, and do what worked all right guys in time for the action item if you watch the college football national championship game i want to hear from you how did you consume it did you watch one of the 11 feeds if so which one and what was your experience like